afterward death holler brought us season three slash or pass it became the classic horror film podcast of its time Death Holler brings us the most shocking season ever. Season four. Dead or dead. Yeah, they're dead. They're all messed up. Imagine, if you will, that one of the hosts is absolutely terrified of zombies. So, what's the plan? Bash him in the head. That seems to work out. Except the fact there is no escaping this horror. Death Holler brings back the dead. Remember, when you're in Death Holler, listener discretion is advised. With hospitality like this, you'll never want to leave. Stay alive. When there's no more room in hell, the dead will walk here. I'm your host, the Reverend Dr. Death. Joining me as always is my co-host, La Urena, and we are discussing the final movie uh, t- uh, from the adaptations of I Am Legend, rightly called I Am Legend from 2007. <laughs> from the book, I Am Legend. Uh, tagline, the last man on earth is not alone. I, I Wait, wait. That's very similar to the one that okay. was for the Omega Man. Very, okay. Very much. <laughs> I was like, uh, did we hear this one already? Uh, directed by Francis Lawrence, uh, written by Mark uh, Petrovich and Akiva Goldsman. Now, I got to say this. Akiva Goldsman is the guy who was responsible for the screenplay for Batman and Robin, that piece of shit movie with, uh, you know, George Clooney in it and uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger going around as, uh, you know, uh, saying all the ice puns in it or whatever. It's like, what killed the dinosaurs? Okay, but that movie, that movie was pure comedy gold. At least give it that. It was comedy gold, and you cannot tell me that movie was not fun. For somebody who really likes the Tim Burton Batman movie, I know. that movie is an abomination. It is, but you can't just hold on to that. I, I am not angry at that movie. They had really good actors in it. I loved Poison Ivy. I loved the Riddler. Um Flip. Listen, Victor Freeze, who is, you know, uh, in the movie uh, that Arnold Schwarzenegger is playing, is like a very frail scientist type in all of other depictions. And they got Arnold Schwarzenegger, of all people, to play that character. There is nothing about Arnold Schwarzenegger that screams scientist to me whatsoever oh, no, in that movie. Not at all. Maybe crazy German scientist, but um, look, I don't know. 
Yeah. Okay. Uh, it's. I mean, you can appreciate the camp, but let, let's just admit that Akiva Goldsman has that screenplay was dog shit for that movie. So the fact that he wrote this one, I mean, I, at least he improved. I'll give him that much. I can't believe how movies. many amazing actors he had in that film, though, and it still turned out the way that it did. Well, I mean, uh, Joel, whatever his name is, Schumacher, who uh, made that movie, he very much leaned into his gay, uh, you know, uh, background to make that movie. I mean, like, only the men's suits had nipples. Oh, really? that's a funny. And a really nice, hot-looking butt. Uh, yeah, and you had Alicia uh, Silverstone as Batgirl in that movie, and you had Uma Thurman as Poison Ivy, and they are dressed in more or in more uh, less revealing clothing than uh, than any of the men in the movie. It, it's it's so of its type. I mean, yeah, that's all I can say about but that. But I will say, trouble. Uma Thurman though, she still made it hot. Uh, What's well, poison ivy? I mean, you'd have to be uh, basically a, a uh, just a cold fish to make that character because poison ivy's all about selling the sex. I mean, yeah. you know, she is, um, but Uma Thurman is not who I would have in mind if I were to choose a sex pot. Because like they did a good job of <laughs> we're totally going on a rant here, and I'm sorry, but you're coming down with me on this, okay? List, listen, Uma Thurman is a sex pot in uh in Pulp Fiction. She okay. is. And it, I'm not even in the that scenes she's where not... she's not showing her fucking feet, because come on now, <laughs> Quentin Tarantino, I'm... you might think she's got perfect feet, but I don't give a shit about that. She's just sexy in that movie. I'm That's not all saying that she it. can't be. I'm just not saying it would be my first choice because normally what they do, like in you know the second Batman, Batman Returns, is they took a super hot woman, made her unhot and then she became even hotter than she's ever been in her entire fucking life that would oh, be oh yeah michelle pfeiffer michelle pfeiffer Ooh. as catwoman she, so she's she's a vibe and let me just put it this way between her and linnea quigley and uh, return the living dead they might have you know put me in a certain way <laughs> when it comes to like what i look look at but and there's anyways. nothing wrong with that but anyways it just i'm just saying they don't normally take a I'm not saying, again, not saying Uma Thurman can't be sexy. Clearly she can be, but, like, she's not characteristically sexy at first. She has to grow on you, at least for me. She, she could have been sexy and, uh, or, well, no, I'm thinking of Michelle Pfeiffer again. Uh, I'm <laughs> there you go. Of, uh, Scarface. Uh, they She got too skinny in that, but there was a whole, they, they wanted mm-hmm. to look like a coked up oh, you yeah. know, woman. And it, she literally was eating, like, uh, I want to say uh, soup, uh, like, you know, is all she would allow her. Soup and cigarettes were all she, her diet was Jesus. for most of that movie. So mm, good for her. <laughs> Hail to the hot uh, women. Uh, Richard Matheson's novels, what this is obviously based on again, music by James Howard Newton, who, I mean, that's, that's big music. Yeah. Person. I mean, you know, he's came up with some pretty big scores. Yeah. Uh, now we got a budget and a box office on this one. And there's a reason they're making a sequel to this movie. Finally, oh, uh, shit. everybody okay. made on a budget of 150 million, which that's up there. That, that yeah, is a huge. lot made 585 point four million. Hell Yeah. I mean that's that's a huge return. So I feel I mean, like these movies, the other two movies, the Omega Man and um, the Last, Last Man, Man on, on Earth, Earth. I feel like they should have had something equivalent. Maybe not so much a high budget, but at least a decent return. 
Uh, we don't know that, but I, I don't feel like there's a way that they can't. I know what, we have a preference of one over the other and everything, but that being said, I can't see those movies not having a high return. Apocalyptia is where it's at. And zombies, too. Yeah, I mean, there for a while, you couldn't do any wrong if you had the two of them in there. And then yeah. The Walking Dead, which we will cover some this season. We have to. I mean, why, yeah. why wouldn't you? I feel like it kind of... it it pushed people over into like, okay, zombies are fucking done. Like, yeah, you know, it, it went a little too far. It's the people we have to worry about. We get it. <laughs> uh, principal players. We have Will Smith. Who's Never that? heard of him. Uh, Robert Neville. Uh, again, going from the book, you know, uh, protagonist who is a U.S. military pathologist and a uh, lone survivor. They actually went along the lines <laughs> of, uh, went back to the Omega man as far as like, you know, his characterization of being like associated with military, yeah. but being a pathologist for the military. Cause in last man on earth, he was just a pathologist that like, you know, some kind of like a uh, local lab. And then I, I think in the book, he wouldn't even like that. He just like, you know, once the plague started, he educated himself on, you know, all that stuff. Cause when you got the apocalypse going on, what else are you going to do? Um, True story. Yeah. Uh, of course, Will Smith's been in Men in Black series. Uh, he was surprisingly good in those. I, I liked I him in those. one, two, and three. I mean, uh, part four, which didn't have him in it, that didn't exist. Uh, you can say what you want to about that movie. Uh, Chris Hemsworth uh, did not make that movie worth watching. Uh, of course, he was also the Fresh Prince Bel-Air. That's what a lot of people remember him from. If you don't remember him from his rap days, he is Mr. Jada Pinkett now. <laughs> I mean, there's just no getting around that. I mean, you know, get her name out your motherfucking mouth. I mean, it's... Uh, and then he was in Bad Boys 1 and 2, and I think they made a sequel, uh, you know, and maybe they're even making another one now. Uh, he was in Hancock, which was an interesting superhero movie before Marvel uh, rose and then fell and kind of destroyed any interest in superhero movies. And he was in the wiki, wiki wild, wild west, uh, which is a very strange cyberpunk yes. or, or a diesel punk, uh, you know, Western movie. I feel um, like it's cyberpunk. What's the difference between cyber and diesel? Diesel punk is like old west with like, you know, train parts and okay. stuff being incorporated. Cyberpunk okay. is like new age internet. So okay. it's, it's variations of the same theme just in different time periods i have just come uh, to realize that every movie that i have seen will smith in i have actually liked i haven't seen all of his films but i am a will smith fan he's he's the likable ever man mm -hmm. uh, you know that they kind of hinted at that we talked about that they said price wasn't in the original last man on earth i mean he he fits that role even though he plays Generally, uh, I mean, he he's he's Will Smith in all of his movies. He doesn't really branch yeah. out. Of, even in this, even in this movie, he he. This is probably this be, the best acting I ever saw from him. I don't remember. I don't remember seeing now. I'll I'll, I'll grant you this. There was some movie he did where it was based on a real life person where oh, he yeah. was like a uh, uh, uh Now I'm thinking the one where it was like he uh, maybe he was a genius and like he was uh you know like music related or something like that. There was something he came out with a few years ago. I didn't see that one and I heard he acted pretty well in that one. But this is the one where you see the most range from him because usually it's just like you know uh, the character he played in uh um and I didn't even put it on there Independence Day uh, where he's just like you know 
just looking at the aliens and like, what you going to do now, bitch? You know, like that sort of, you know, like yeah. that's usually the character he plays in most of his movies. I mean, no, uh, even in, even in the wild, wild west, he didn't like, it's supposed to be set in the West, but like his character seems like he came straight out of like the late nineties, two thousands, yeah. as far as his attitude. I'm sorry he was black in the old west. He wouldn't have been like that. Yeah, it wouldn't have out. it wouldn't have worked out, but also they made that movie seem futuristic western at the same yeah. time. So it was I guess that's what made it work. Uh he's played Will Smith, but he's played different variations of maybe like uh obviously in here he's a pathologist in he was in the military in Independence Day. I forgot what he was. He was just a I think he was just a regular I think it was an Air Force pilot or something like that in it. Um, Um, Yeah, MIB, he's technically like some type of secret service. I feel like it's not a huge range, but I feel like he's believable in his roles, you know, regardless of him being himself. I mean, he was also in that movie, The Legend of Bagger Vance, which is, uh, you know, where he is kind of a golf-related movie. He was a little bit more act, but even then, I I don't think he was really stretching as far as like his uh, potential. And he played the genie in Aladdin, and I don't. That's probably best forgotten. I mean, he wasn't terrible, but how do you follow up? You know, um, uh, the original, you know, actor for that. You know, um, it says that uh, he was in Anchorman too, and I'm like, really? I think he was in. Uh, he was one of those. They had an elongated scene in Anchorman two where they had all. I mean, going back in the first because anything that worked in the first movie, they just doubled down. Yeah, on part two. That the the scene where all the different like uh and Robin Williams was the actor I was blanking on just saying ago uh, the great Robin Williams but anyways they had a big scene where they had all of the uh, the different news stations like fighting each other and it was like bigger and and more out there he played one of like the I think the sports uh, channel or whatever the ESPN equivalent he played like the the leader of that you know whenever they were all fighting each other. Um, which I heard that maybe he had a, like that one movie called Bright that was on Netflix that was kind of like a weird sci-fi set in modern day. I heard that one wasn't too bad, but I've never actually seen it. I never sat down and watched it. Oh my god! Um, Ali, he was supposed to be pretty good in that one. Um, that was a little bit of a stretch for him. I don't remember the name of that one movie though to save my life, where he was it was like more family based and he was supposed to be like you know like based on a real person. But I think you're talking was, about. Um... Shit, was it called um, uh, something of life? Um, oh God, let me go back to Will Smith. Um, it's called uh, the Pursuit of Happiness. I'm sorry. Okay, yeah, that, that I think that's the name of it. He's like it. some it's genius a, of some sort, and um, yeah, but him and his son and are it, homeless. Yeah, that's what it was. They're homeless, and it's like him trying to. That one was supposed to be his best acting that he ever did. Whenever he was like really in the you know zeitgeist of everything. Yeah, uh, I feel like this was a step to that that ends because he actually did some decent emotional stuff in this movie. Oh, one hundred percent. Just doing Big Willie style, which he'd done in everything. Big Willie style. <laughs> Shut up. Uh, that's uh. that's that's his words. Um, uh, Alice Braga plays Anna, the survivor from Maryland, and who was on the Red Cross ship that they meet like towards the like the back third of the movie. Uh, she was in Elysium, Repo Men, Predators, The Suicide Squad, and The New Mutants. Uh, Charlie Tahan plays Ethan, who's the little kid that's with her. Uh, he's from the same area. That's how that she met him. 
Uh, he went on to be in the Ozark TV series. Wow. Uh, he was actually Victor's voice in Frankenweenie. Oh, Frankenweenie. So there you go. Uh, he was in Wayward Pines, Gotham, and Castle Rock. Uh, some horror bona fides there. Wait, um, did you watch Gotham? That's a TV series, isn't it? Yeah. Is it good? Uh, it it has its moments. Like I liked their portrayal of some of the of Batman's villains before they became like the villains that you know. Okay. Whenever he was around, but their portrayal of like little Batman, like the kid they had, he was fine. But like you could tell that they were never going to do anything with him. Like you know, as far as making him go the route of becoming Batman. Now the guy that they played, they got to play Alfred, was amazing in that. And I wish that he would have been Alfred and more stuff because he's actually probably my favorite Alfred that I've seen on TV. Um, he, uh, was at, his dad was actually Dr. Who, uh, back in the day, he was like the, I want to say the, the third or fourth doctor, a third doctor. Uh, and then like, uh, Sean Petwee, uh, Petwee, that's oh, yeah. his last name. Um, he's really fucking good as Alfred in that series. But I mean, there was a lot of, a lot of cheesiness around that. And of course, you know, who else was also in Gotham? Hmm. Uh, keep her name at your motherfucking mouth. Oh shit. Oh, there she is. The she was one of the worst fucking things in that whole series. Like, she was bad. Fish Mooney uh, is what her character's yeah. name was. I'm like, who? And she kept coming back, and it was awful. Like, it, like every time she popped up on screen, I'm like, please, for the love of God, get her the fuck out of here. Yeah. Uh, that was before everybody hated her, too. I mean, so that, that was the whole thing. Damn. Um, <clears throat> Sally Richards in Whitfield plays Zoe Neville, who is Robert's wife in the flashback scene. Uh, she went on the, I mean, one of the horror movies she was in was Anaconda's The Hunt for the Blood Orchids. Uh, she was also in Black Dynamite, which is kind of funny to watch. Uh, and, of course, Willow Smith. Uh, I, I wonder who she's related to. Oh, I don't uh, know. Plays Marlon Neville, uh, Robert's daughter. Uh, I didn't realize this, but she was, uh, uh, she did voices in a lot of the Madagascar movies. That's I didn't awesome. that. Uh, she also whips her hair back and forth. So. Yeah, she does. Actually, she has a song out. Uh, th- she has a uh, a small group they put together. Um, oh my god. Um, hold on. And, and actually, she actually. See- oh, the group's called the Anxiety, which I fucking love. And she actually sings pretty good. She's she's not. She I mean, she's a nepo parents- baby. Don't get me wrong, but she's she's got talent. Unlike she's her brother. <laughs> She's an Epo baby, but she comes from people who can sing. I mean, Jada Pinkett, I mean, even if she didn't, I mean, even if she couldn't, like, sing really well, I mean, she's fucked enough singers that she got a little bit of that, you know, <laughs> in her. I mean, between Tupac and, uh, I mean, and and people can come at me. I, they said that they never got together. I, I, I don't believe that. I believe her and Tupac were a thing at one point in time. They just didn't advertise it. Yeah. Uh, and then, of course, Will Smith. I mean, she's she's got a thing for guys that can, you know, sing. So. Um, Nothing then, wrong with that. So it, no, I mean, she's got a type. It doesn't surprise me that Willow can sing. I just don't feel like their son can. No, act. he cannot act good. and he cannot sing or rap. I went to, I forget what. I think I want to say it was fallout boy or something totally random concert. <laughs> I wouldn't say that's a random concert. I was there to see fallout boy, but he was Jaden Smith. I think is his name. He was yeah. one of the starting bands and he was God motherfucking awful. <laughs> I was like, I please put, I'll whip my hair back and forth on a million times because I'd rather hear that than what is coming out of his mouth right now. It's terrible. 
Yeah, I, I, and Will Smith has tried to, like, boost his – that's the other thing about them being Nepo babies. I don't feel like that Will Smith has gave quite as much of a boost uh, publicly to his daughter, I mean, other than how like having her in this movie, yeah. which she didn't go on to really act, so that wasn't really even a major boost for her. But he has put his son in, oh, like, God. so many things. Well, you're going like, to you're gonna push harder for the one that you know is going to struggle. You're like, this other one, oh, she's got it. She's <laughs> fine. Uh, and she does. She's she's going to be okay. Jaden, I don't know. He doesn't have a modeling career. He doesn't have a singing career or a rap career or an acting career. I, I don't know. And, I mean, we would be remiss if we didn't, you know, mention the controversies about Will Smith going on right now. I mean, one of his, yeah. like, supposed best friends has came out, and, you know, and this has been a thing that's been kind of floating around Hollywood for a long time, that Will Smith is either bi or he's, you know, secretly gay or, or with a with a beard, which I think he leans more toward bi because he wouldn't have had kids, you know, by Jada, but whatever. But there's been the rumors that he's been that way and he would never reveal it because like his Christian upbringing and how his family would look on it. Well, somebody who was supposed to be close to him came out recently on a podcast and, and I don't, you can't really, it's a, a lot of, he said, she said, so there's no real proof, but he like had some very damning things to say about how he walked in on Will Smith, just getting plowed by somebody uh, from behind. So, I mean, you know, there's that whole thing about Will Smith right now. And of course all the weird shit that like the kids are fucked up. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, like they, they're doing weird things. Jada's like, I mean, she says the worst things in the world. And I don't think anybody's on her fucking side. And then, the whole blow up between Will Smith and, you know, Chris Rock, whenever that whole slap was heard, which may or may not have been staged to, you know, get draw attention to Will Smith's uh, Beverly, you know, Hills, uh, or, or I mean, uh, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air uh, reboot that he was doing, the, the dramatic reboot that he was doing at the time. Uh, some people have theorized that he kind of did that slap to kind of get some more attention on that. But, I mean... I guess you got to do what you got to do in Hollywood to, to get that stuff out there. But they're a weird family. That's all I can say in real they life. They've are. got some weird shit going on. Do you remember when Jaden Smith was trying to say he was dating some rapper that was uh, a, a dude? Uh, it, no, but it wouldn't surprise me because at one point in time, wasn't he trying to say that he was a they them or some kind of weird thing it's where possible. he was genderless or whatever? Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I, I I don't remember if he was trying to do that, but clearly he was trying to give off the impression that he was at minimum bi, if not gay. Uh, and, and that's yeah. not that's not even counting the stuff that I mean we've we've kind I mean we've glossed right over with uh, Jada where she got on public television and bald face right beside Will Smith said, "Yeah, I've been fucking Jaden's best friend, a guy that's half her age." And while she's will with Will, she's been fucking the guy, and it's like, yeah. and then Will Smith's crying on that same episode. It's like they're they're a weird bunch. That's yeah. all you can say about them. Just really fucking weird. And then that's not even before you work in the Tupac angle and and the conspiracy theories around the fact that Will Smith could have had a hand in what happened to Tupac. I mean, that's a whole other thing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Acting-wise, though, Will Smith at one point in time was a major star. Oh, yeah. Uh, and he was enjoyable in all the stuff you just talked about. I mean, I, I love a lot of the stuff he was in, even if he's playing the same character. Yeah. I mean, he was he has charisma whenever he, you know, is not crying and, you know, getting mad <laughs> over Jada. I mean. It's just funny that I, I like, when I hear, if if a movie's coming out tomorrow and I hear Will Smith is in it, I'm not going to rush to the theaters and be like, oh, my God, Will Smith. But then I'm like, wait a second, I have genuinely loved everything he's been in. 
you you would think yeah. uh, you know you're gonna watch, enjoy the film if you go to it. He he's pretty good at picking I, his roles. I just think the weirdness around him now mm-hmm. is kind of tainted my view on him because uh, yeah. like, at one point in time I would like if I if I like when Independence Day came out, knowing like the movies that came around that, I was like, I'm fucking watching that. Will yeah. Smith's pretty cool, you know. Yeah, now you're just gonna watch it and feel bad for him. Like, oof, I can feel your pain. Man. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know if I feel bad for him because I mean, why put up with that shit? I mean, yeah. he's he's super rich. He don't. I mean, Jada's not the most beautiful person in the world. I don't know what that relationship is. It's weird. It's weird, man. Like, I mean, bald face cheating on him with with her kids. Friend, yeah, know, weird thing. that's fucking wild. <laughs> Women are wild in general. I don't know. I think he's just like, it's weird because they're like, I love each other. It, you know, it is possible that he is gay, wants that to be private. There's nothing wrong with wanting an aspect of probably your most important relationship to be private. And then he's just kind of dealing with Jada and he genuinely loves her as a woman because gay men love their women, you know, um, possible, just not sexually attracted to her again. Nothing wrong with that. And if that works for them, I say go ahead. As long as there's no weird kinky shit going on in between that. Like, you can see whoever you want to. I want to have my relationship with whomever privately. You're my public face, you know? I mean, I'm not going to belabor the point, but, like, if you look at, like, the people that Jada has been attracted to, and and I've heard that he was totally different on the backside of it, too, so this might not even be, like, a real thing. Publicly, she seems to like guys who are, you know, present that, like, tough, almost thug-like, you know, nature about him. Even though I've heard, I've heard that Tupac was, you know, like a super, like, you know, soft-spoken, like, you know, (laughs) like guy when he wasn't out this yeah. public face, like he was, he was one of the, he was like a very like emotional charged person. But anyways, uh, that guy that she cheated on, you know, that was Jaden's best friend. He's got that very out there. Like oh, I'm God. a, I'm a bad boy type thing. Will Smith has never been that. Like even back in the day when gangster rap was a thing, he was the one guy saying, I will never cuss yeah. in one of my songs or whatever. So I, I don't know their relationships weird anyways. Cause she's, she's, publicly at least he's not the kind of guy that she ever went for ever like so you know whatever that means yeah uh and rounding out the cast is abby uh in the movie she is known as samantha aka sam uh, and she is a thousand percent certified good girl (laughs) (laughs) we love sam uh, one of the best uh, dogs in a movie, but I will say this: uh, extreme rut row warning. Oh this yes, this is probably this is way more than any. I mean, like I know Cody hates movies with dogs, like you know, dying in them. I'm and with I, him. And I can't and I and I can't blame him. Uh, I, I he asked about one movie where there's uh, uh the Beast Within, I believe is the name of it. It's like an old '80s movie where the guys ends up being a locust creature at the end of the movie or a cicada type creature at the end of the movie there's a scene early on where the dog gets like i mean it's there and the next minute you see it and it's like you hear yelp and it's gone (sighs) they are very quick and they cut i mean that's one thing this movie drags it out oh god it's very emotional in this movie well and Uh, i think she got she got the 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 she got what she deserved out of this film in terms of respect and the 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 tragedy of the loss because he gen she didn't even speak to him. She was gonna die regardless of age a lot sooner than anything else, but to be taken away from him so quickly and literally his only friend left in the world. 
that is god awful. How do you live? Um, this that's the one related thing in this movie that it got closer to the book than any other version because they have the dog and mm-hmm. like we said, the last man on earth. But it's so quick, it's like blinking, you'll miss it. Like yeah. it's barely there. Like it's one scene, he sees it. Next scene, he brings it home. It's 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 been attacked. He has to put it down. Yeah. This movie, uh, you're with Sam from the beginning, and you get to know her and love her, and then yeah, you know, and then you have that terrible scene, and it's like. And that's actually in the book. Like I said, there's a good portion of the book where Neville spends time with it, with the dog and gets connected to it before he has to, you know, yeah. put it down. And it's and and it makes it rougher. So I mean, it they did get that right in this movie, uh, or wrong, depending upon how you view those scenes, because they it is tough to watch. Um, synopsis similar to the previous films: a viral outbreak kills the uh, and then reanimates the bodies of most of the world's population, turning them into violent vampire or vampiric mutants. Uh, in this case, it was a result of a genetically altered measles virus that was intended to cure cancer. Oh yeah, uh, that has no bearing on 2020 whatsoever. Yes. <laughs> With 99% fatality rate, the world's top pathologists are tasked with finding a cure. Robert Neville, due to his military rank and expertise, has been assigned to New York. Unfortunately, Neville's wife and daughter are killed in a helicopter accident the night of the evacuation, leaving him alone with the family dog, Sam, to try and save the city and, by extension, the world. Skip ahead three years, and New York is a ghost town with only Neville and Sam as survivors, living amongst innumerable hordes of mutants. With his sanity slipping and the mutants growing even smarter, the hope of finding a cure seems remote jada's bitch is crying mutants are dying and the big apple looks like jack nicholson gave the whole town an enema going back to the batman reference welcome to the earth population one that's tagline folks yeah (laughs) oh my god but when you said um jada's bitch is crying I had to. I had to throw it in there. That's a little funny. Oh, my God. I love it. Uh, Quotes, Neville, talking to Anna about Bob Marley. He had this idea. It was kind of a virologist idea. He believed that you could cure racism and hate, literally cure it, by injecting music and love into people's lives. When he was scheduled to perform at a peace rally, a gunman came to his house and shot him down. There are some theories that that was uh, done by the CIA, just throwing that out there. Anyways, two days later... He walked out on the stage and sang. When they asked him why, he said, the people who are trying to make the world worse are not taking a day off. How can I light up the darkness? Wow. Uh, it's it's a true statement. They did try to, I mean, there were several attempts on Bob Marley's life. And I mean, why? the dude, there was, uh, now it's conspiracy theories again, but there's the rumors that the CIA saw him as an, an inciting factor. Like it looked like his music and his message was like riling up the the natives if nothing else, and they had to take him out. I mean, you know? I can believe it at this point. Uh, and Bob Marley did have a, I mean, he had a huge impact. I mean, you talk about cult of personality. I mean, the man had it. I mean, uh, good singer too, for what it's worth. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't really like that style of music that well, but Mm-mm. he was the best at it, in my opinion. Uh, Neville, one day, one thousand and one. We came in close contact with a hive today. Blood test confirmed that I am that I remain immune to both airborne and contact strains. Canines remain immune to airborne strain only. Foreshadow. Uh, the vaccine trials continue. I'm still unable to transfer my immunity into infected host. The Crippen virus is elegant. Elegant. Um, what a word. 
Well, that's what a virologist would say, just because it's so like hard to break it. You know, that's that's their phrasing for something like that. So yeah, I like. Um, and he's actually using Abby. He's testing her too. Uh, yeah, he's he's always looking out for the dog in this movie, like to make sure that yeah. you know he can try to confer some kind of immunity to her, and uh, unfortunately, it doesn't happen. But Damn. I don't know if they ever give a reason why he is immune either in this movie. Like they they give a version in every other movie, at least a, a word about it, but I don't really remember in this one what he says that makes him immune to the virus. Yeah, um, I don't think it's ever brought up. Uh. Or, well, they do say this in the movie. They say that 1% of the population is is just automatically immune, uh, meaning there's more than just him. So he's not he knows he's not the last person technically, uh, and that's the reason he keeps doing what he's doing, uh, as opposed to the, the the book and the you know the the Vincent Price's version, which you know didn't know that there was any chance of anybody being immune because in the book literally nobody's immune that wasn't bit by you know like a vampire bat or whatever in this one it's going more the virology part of it to where if you there is always going to be a percentage of the world's population that is just naturally immune to whatever it is however small that percentage is you know yeah and i think that's what they were going off of um Anna uh, in the movie says the world is quieter now. We just have to listen. If we listen, we can hear God's plan. And then Neville responds like uh, God's plan. And she's like, yeah. And he's like, all right, let me tell you about God's plan. 7 billion people on earth. When the infection hit KV had a 99% kill rate. That's 5.4 billion people dead, crashed and bled out dead, less than 1% immunity that left 12 million healthy people like you, me and Ethan, the other 580 8 million turned into your dark seekers and then they got hungry and they killed and fed on everybody, everybody, every single person that you or I has ever known is dead, dead. There is no God. That's what he says to her at this point in the movie. Yeah. Um, Which answers the question right there. There's uh, and I'm reading it right now about the virus of 6.8 billion people worldwide at the time the Crippen virus was released, only 12 million people, less than 1% of the original population are naturally immune to the airborne and contact strains of the Crippen virus. Dogs are immune to the airborne. Um, rats are susceptible to the virus, whereas birds, deers, lions, and presumably all other animals are immune to the virus, period. And if rats are infected by it, that's pretty, which he shows in the movie that they are because mm -hmm. he's practicing on the rats through a good, the, at least the first portion of it. Mm -hmm. That's pretty scary because yes. rats can get anywhere. Oh, and yes. That's how, the, that's how the bubonic plague spreads. So, <laughs> I mean. Bubonic. <laughs> Boob. Boob or bubonic, however you want to say it, but um, bubonic's fine. Anna, uh, Anna in 2009, a deadly virus burned through our civilization, pushing humankind to the edge of extinction. Dr. Robert Neville dedicated his life to the discovery of a cure and the restoration of humanity. On September 9th, uh, 9th or 2012, at approximately 8:49 p.m., uh, he discovered that cure, and at 8:52, he gave his life to defend it. We are his legacy. This is his legend. Light up the darkness. Uh, calling back to obviously the Bob Marley quote, but yeah. also, uh, you know, the I am legend line that's from the book or whatever, just reframing it in a different point of view. Yeah. Uh, uh, movie visually, this is the best movie of all of them. And in oh, yeah. a sense, in a sense, the post-apocalyptic, the way that the, the, you know, the, they set up the city, New York had all the vegetation growing in all the places, beautiful in a weird post-apocalyptic way. 
the monsters on the other hand are the worst fucking thing I've seen in a movie in a long time. And they, and they actively ruined this movie for me. Like they are yeah. fucking awful. Yeah. Because I guess, I guess I can appreciate when you could see one of them turning back to human. Uh, cause it's going from very dramatic to normal again, but that CGI is still it's, so it's, fucking bad. Yeah, it is. They, they, and, and they didn't they, even have a ton of to, them. They were going to film this movie with uh, and now, and, and they were going to film this movie and do uh, prosthetics. They were going to do like just regular makeup. Mm-hmm. They claimed that the makeup made them look too uh, like washed out. Actually, kind of made them look like the ghouls that were in the you know Omega Man a little bit. And Akiva said, "No, this isn't going to work. We need to you know go full CGI with this." That was his decision to fucking do that in this movie. I don't. I understand, given the way that they move in this movie, because they're a lot more like the vampires in the actual novel. They move really quick, uh, and they can jump really far and all that stuff. I understand like expanding the crowd with CGI to make more people like to fill it up. But have some of your main monsters, especially that alpha that's at the end of it, that's banging his head against like the glass, trying to get into where Neville and the you know and Anna and the kids at. Have that be a person for God's sake, like and the woman that he's and that he is captured and he's operating on. Have that be a person, like that CGI up close is really bad for those two characters in particular. Yeah. Um, it just so I mean, like even when I watched it back when it first came out, I was like. What in the fuck is this horse shit? Because we had had years of good prosthetic zombies, if not to say vampires, in a lot of films, and they gave us these creatures. Like, they just look so bad. Yeah. Um, I have to ask something, because I think that these creatures worked good in the dark building that he went to. He was looking for they, Abby. They, worked, they looked scary in that one yes. scene where he's looking for Abby. Okay. And, um... <sighs> Trying to think, because um, I didn't rewatch this for obvious reasons, uh, so I'm going off of memory alone. He was looking for Abby. Why did Abby run? Uh, in the scene, Abby has chased a deer into that building. Okay, that yeah. makes sense. Is she a hunting dog? It would make sense. Uh, he he is having her hunt the okay. deer or like steer them so that he can like get a shot on them. Okay, which I don't understand. That's one part of the movie I don't understand. He he knows that they like in this movie. They, they kind of do this thing where they do like, uh, they're not really asleep. They're kind of just yeah. like standing there quivering, which is creepy. Don't it is. Wrong. Yeah. And, and Stephen King actually w- took that and he actually made in his movie sale, like a whole different thing with regards to that. And, uh, and maybe he was inspired by how that was in this movie. Uh, we might cover sale at some point if we can work it in, but like, but he's got them sitting there hovering, and if if Robert Neville has been like killing these hives, he knows that they operate like this, that they can still function in the dark as long as they're not on the sun. Why would he ever, for the love of God, have Abby out there or Sam in this movie chasing some, uh, anything, knowing that she could run into one of these buildings while he wasn't looking? I'm glad you said that because I, maybe I'm assuming he thought she had amazing recall, which German shepherds like to work their working breeds. Um, so maybe she had really good recall. And he thought that that was never going to happen. But me, I don't care how good of a recall. My Australian Shepherd has amazing recall. I don't care how good my dog's recall is. Anything could happen. I don't want, you know, I don't want to lose my best friend, you know? Yeah, it just doesn't make any sense to me. It's, it's, uh, 
it's a risk that I, I mean, he's very reliant upon Sam as like an emotional, like just a hinge point to keep him from just going over the edge. Like, cause he's literally talking to mannequins that he's set up in a video store at this point in the movie. Uh, he's got names for all of them. He's got a couple outside that are trying to get in. One of them's name's Fred. He's greets him every time he goes to the video store. I mean, so his, he, he knows somewhere deep inside that it, mentally, the only thing keeping him from going way over the edge is Sam. Yeah. And yet, and yet he, he, he has her like following these animals. Even if you ignore the mutants themselves as a potential threat. Yeah. There is so much stuff in a, in a crumbling city that oh, hurt yeah. that dog. So I much. agree. Yeah. Um, out in the open and like what, I guess maybe he did know that the other animals were not carrying the disease. Like, yeah, you got to hunt for food. I mean, it's not the dumbest thing that he had her hunting, but yeah, when she chased the deer into, I, I didn't, I don't remember, I didn't remember that she chased the deer, but when she did that, uh, pretty fucked up that these, the species, whatever the fuck they were, bred some mutant dogs to go after Abby. Smart. <laughs> well, that's what I'm saying. They're getting smarter as yes. time goes on. And he, and he has a line in the movie where he said, and I didn't put it in the quote, but like he's got a line where he says it's an aberrant thing that looks like the third degrading or devolving. And I'm like, how do you get through devolving? Like he, 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 cause what, how to frame it for, from his perspective, he sees the alpha try to go after the female that he's captured mm -hmm. and risk going into the sun, which is naturally dangerous to these yeah. creatures. Just try to get her back. And he, and he views that from his, from where he's at from a very detached clinical side as that they're devolving mentally to the point where they're actually hurting themselves. And I'm like, that's a sign that they're getting more emotionally attached yeah. and showing hum human features, which should mean that that should scare the shit out of you because yeah. they're not mindless. They, mm -mm. they can think, you know, he was trying so hard to get to her. I, I think anybody would do that, especially if like that's his wife, you know? Yeah. And that's what they set up in the movie that that was his mate. And like, Neville Stoller, you know, from him. Yeah. Um, and the whole other thing about the animals too, I don't understand why he's got the German shepherd like hurting these animals because he's got a high powered rifle yes. that he is using. The, that is true. Just perch up inside of a building. Like, it, cause that's the thing that kills me. And I mean, I, I guess I come from a different point of view because you live in the country. You're used to hunting. You're used to the tactics of hunters. Deer hunters do not sit there and chase actively after no. the deer, knowing that it's a useless endeavor. They sit up hidden yeah. in a deer stand and wait for them to come in range and shoot them. You have all those buildings with all those levels, which granted there could be those creatures in them, yeah. but you could, but if you had one cleared out that you knew was safe or relatively safe, perch up on the second or third floor, wait for the deer to come in there. As long as they don't see you, they're not going to be running. So just take your shot at the one you like the best Yeah, and you've got game for the night. I don't, he's chasing them with a fucking sports car through, uh, through a city. And yeah. That's dangerous for him and the dog anyways, because there's so much traffic still left there. I mean, you know, he, and he's doing, I mean, and, and it plays out visually. I mean, it's exciting, but just think about it logically. It's like, he's going out there whipping around his hair back and forth uh, <laughs> in this car, um, chasing down these deer and like he's sliding in and like barely avoiding all this stuff. He's risking him and the dog's life every time he goes to do this. And he's just chasing the deer in the like, you know, subway tunnels and different spots where in like buildings, it's like, it's getting him nowhere. And I'm just like, why are you even attempt? Why are you doing it this way? Yeah. This is dumb. Well, and at the beginning, as we saw, there's not just the threat of 
you know, this, uh, the, the species. There's also the threat of wild animals, a fucking lion. Yeah, because the zoos have been, like, you know, unleashed or whatever at some point, or they've gotten out because of, like, you know, breakdown in the the, the fencing or whatever it, it, you know, happens to be. So uh, I wouldn't be out there just on the yeah. streets, like, you know, riling these things up. I mean, not at all. Fucking lions are opportunistic. They'll fucking, you're meat to them, too. Yeah, I mean, and even... I honestly don't see why the lions wouldn't, if they're immune, why they wouldn't be going after the mutants That's as true. well. Because I mean, that'd be kind of cool. They're, but I mean, there there's some gaps there in the logic of why he's doing what he's doing. I mean, if it, if it's just like a death wish, like you know, thrill of the moment of like revving up this yeah, sports car, true. which is another Ford, which is another Mustang, by the way. That's kind of a callback to Omega Man, but um, that he's like whipping down the streets, like okay, but like it. In the book, they paint Robert as being like very, like, very focused on survival, very focused on, like, you know, what's the smartest way to try to, you know, do these things. And I do not get that at all from like Will Smith at the beginning of this movie. Like, he's, he's just going way out there trying to get these deer. Yeah. And he ends up going home and having to eat canned food anyway. So, what yeah. the fuck was the point? Yeah. I mean, he saw the lion. I hate to be this person. I would have shot the lion. I mean, there's that too. I mean, He's there's lion meat. meat. I mean, yeah. yeah. Meat on the lion. And not only that, but like now you just eliminated another fucking, well, did the lion have babies? Because that wasn't a girl lion. That was that was a guy lion. They usually don't. It, it had a mane, I believe, if I remember. Yeah. Right. It, was, it was also a very bad CGI lion, but that's a whole other issue. I'm just um, saying like you've, you've gotten rid of one more uh, obstacle to you getting the deer because that, lion is doing the same thing it's just trying to survive i get it but these are not times where we have we get to be very polite like that like abby also not abby sam she's also meat too she better be watching herself (laughs) i don't even i mean if you look at how the lions hunt they don't even hunt the way that he's hunting yeah they don't drive the deer they sneak up on them and Mm -hmm. and grab the ones that are at the back of the the pack or whatever because they know because they know that they only have so much energy and they're wasting it if they're like just, you know, like sprinting a lot. Because deers were, I mean, that's their protective mechanism. They yeah. can run like for a good sprint and outrun like a lot of predators, including humans. So it, it makes no sense as a predator. I mean, your your best shot is to either what humans do, uh, outwalk them because we do, we can walk longer uh, than any other animal. We can, you know, eventually wear them out and catch them whenever they're, you know, tired, or we can sneak and hide and use our brains to take them out, you know, in other ways. It makes no sense to me. It's, it's, it's really, it was clearly for cinematic purposes at the beginning. It is. It's just, it sets up that potential danger with the, with the dog where it runs inside the building. And I mean, and it gives you that moment where you see the, the creatures kind of doing that buzzing weird thing that they do. And that's, that's, you know, creepy on its own sense. That's and you're cool. right, that is the one scene in the movie where the CGI is not terrible, but that's because you've got the darkness. It's dark. It's the, covering it the up. The worst parts of it. Oh when they get God. out in the sunlight later, it's just, I mean, and it's a good thing they're nocturnal creatures because, God damn, that looks really bad in the light. Yeah. When especially when he brings the one creature back and he's got it in the lab and the lab lights are on it. It looks awful. Yeah. Um, uh, 
But visually, New York looks amazing in this movie. Oh, yeah. It's one of the best like versions of an apocalypse that you that I've seen in a movie, honestly, outside of maybe the Walking Dead series, which you know went on to do a lot more with that and with better prosthetic effects. Yes, but, Walking Dead was uh, Atlanta, Atlantic City. Uh, it was set in Atlanta for the first season, at least, and then okay. after that they moved out, and it was more like just other parts of Georgia. But yeah, they they kind of moved around a little. Oh, bit. Oh yeah, I mean they're constantly moving around, which is another whole fucking thing about zombie apocalyptia. Is like how long is the days? Like how long do you live? Fuck, man, constantly moving. Ugh, can't live my life like that. I just want to lay down. Uh, yeah, Greg Nicotero is the one that does the makeup for uh, The Walking Dead, and that guy's, uh, he's a legend. He studied under uh, Tom Savini, so that should make sense. Oh, that, I mean, okay. You know. <laughs> yeah, okay, so, but, like, not even makeup effects, but the the backdrop of Atlanta City, Atlanta, and also of um, New York, do we have, uh, totally excluding Walking Dead at this point, do we have any trivia on how they managed the shots of New York. We know how they did Los Angeles in Omega Man. They had to shut down one street at a time oh, and, re- and and fucking piss the the people off. I've got some stuff in there. Will Smith was having to make public <clears throat> apologies to him. They were people like they were flipping him off left and right. It's like you fucking kept me from going to work on time. You fucking prick. You know, it's like that sort of thing. So I mean, yeah, uh, but like I I imagine they let people know. I'm pulling away from my mic a couple of times, but I have I imagine they let people know multiple times ahead of time and they just didn't plan because that's we don't it's, do that it, it's still new york though i mean yeah that's true can, it's buzzy if, they, if, they, if you give them reason to you know to grumble and curse that's that's just their way that's, that's what true. they do uh california uh, would be the same way too um i feel like that would be a really good excuse like sorry boss i i can't make it in today like you know I just saw Will Smith driving past my house at like 3 a.m. this yeah. morning, blasting the radio and chasing some fake CGI deer through the street. So uh, <laughs> I could see it in my heart. It was there. <laughs> uh, so visually, it's a mixed bag. It's it's the best looking mm-hmm. in, the, in, in those scenes. But at the same time, it's the worst when it comes to like the monsters. Like I... Honestly, I mean, they're, I, I love the look of the ghouls and Omega Man for what they were, and then the the pseudo-zombies that were in the first movie way better than anything in this one. I, I just do. I mean, uh, yeah. like on Earth, even if they're goofy in the way that they barely move around, at least, and they're not as scary as, like, the fast-moving creatures in this one, they, they at least look like something that's got a physical thing about them as opposed to this just looking like bad PlayStation graphics. Yeah, uh, I have to agree with you on that. Like, the only time these these monsters look good is in the dark, so. That's it. And even then, their faces, I don't know why they did this. They the, the Whoever the CGI artist was, they made their faces, like, so post-human, like, you know, mm-hmm. that they don't even, like, they don't even bring in, like, a fear that way. Like, when something looks like too removed from reality, you can either go one or two ways with it. Like it becomes like horrifying in the sense it's like, what the fuck is that? Like my brain can't comprehend it. Or it can go the route of like, that's just stupid because yeah. like there's no way that a human face could look like that. And there's a scene in this movie where the alpha like screams. I want to say it's toward oh, the yeah. end when he's in the in, in the lab. And he and his jaw opens up, and it looks like that scene from Nightmare Before Christmas where Jack pulls oh, his yeah. mouth down with his <laughs> fingers. And I, yeah, it looks like that. And I'm just like, God, this it just it's way past uh, reality to the point that it's just nonsense at this point. Yeah. So, um, now, story wise, 
I like the the I love the setup about how they genetically engineered like the measles virus uh, to like yeah. go after cancer. Uh, that actually seems realistic, especially given some Fauci nonsense <laughs> that happened in 2020. You will not um, disregard Doctor Truth and Science, not on this podcast, sir. Yeah, um, uh, he didn't. Uh, he didn't genetically modify anything or have any of his labs do it. I mean, that didn't no. happen. Uh, that was all bat soup that caused all that. Oh my God, we're canceled. Um, but them doing that was very was a very cool like way for the virus to become a thing. I love that setup. Yeah. Uh, the scenes were. Well, the hold on. All- Before you leave that, there are so many fucking people that have cancer, and the way that yeah. cancer takes people out is brutal. And we say it all the time. You've said it. Fuck cancer. You know, everyone knows somebody that everybody knows someone that has lost a battle to cancer, which fucking sucks. You know, and you want to know why cancer is a is a interesting choice for them to have been the virus that they were attacking. Cancer cells are weird. They they eat your body up and they kill you. But technically, cancer cells are immortal. As long as they have a food source, they Ugh. never die. Yeah. So the fact that these creatures become basically like these undead like you they know, basically never, become cancer an external they basically version become, yeah they become walking cancer is what they what oh they, my it's, god it's, it's interesting it is and not only that but isn't uh cancer sensitive to certain types of light specifically certain types of radiation yeah uh uv destroys uh cancer okay cells, i'm pretty sure so there that, we go that makes sense too. never even it, fucking thought of that it's it's actually very smart okay I'll give them that uh, especially for somebody who wrote Batman and Robin. Now, wait Not a second. On. Would you also agree that these creatures look like cancer? Uh, they made my eyes feel like I had cancer yeah. in my eyeballs. <laughs> Did they so give your eyeballs cancer? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I love that setup. I love the whole thing at the beginning of it where it was like, you know, where they had the, the, the TV, like, you know, uh, interview with a lady who was inventing the, 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 who was, I guess, crapping or whatever, who invented the virus. Crippin, yeah. Yeah, crippin'. Um, uh, the scenes where they, they showed Will Smith, uh, and his family trying to get out of New York, they were cool. They, yes. I, I, I wish there had been more of that. And I heard that there was the, the, they were originally going to do a, a prequel to this where they showed a little bit more of like the pre apocalypse, like yeah. craziness that happened. I want to see that movie because, like, the little bit we got where everybody's freaking out and then the one lady starts bleeding from her eye, that's effective. It were, It's really, really well done. Um, the scenes where he's in the city and he and he's doing the – when he comes home, he's got his daily routine and he's doing the virology stuff and uh, trying to operate on the and, – and even though he knows it's kind of pointless at this point because most people are dead, he's still going by his task of trying to find a cure. That's all good. I just, the, the only thing is, is like, it gets a little bit weaker, just like a lot of these movies do in the back third of the movie. Like, cause right after he leaves Sam, he goes in that like death wish rampage, trying to take out like a bunch of like, uh, of the dark stalkers as he calls them on the, the, on a pier. Like he drives a car into them. And then like, I don't know what he, I don't, I mean, I know he was like, really didn't care at that point, but like, he knows that they're stronger than that. Like, I don't know what, what that scene was trying to convey. It's like he, he tries to run into them and then he crashes and then it looks like they're going to take him out. And then Anna saves him. Yeah. Uh, and then she drives him out of there. I mean, I know they had to give him some reason why he met her, 
but I feel like that that was uh, a little much having him like go full bore. Like I'm just going to drive my car into you. Yeah. Like why didn't he just get like an Uzi and do like, you know, uh, Charlton Heston did just yeah. guns blazing, like pop, 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 just like taking them out left and right as opposed to just driving into them. That's a little, I mean, I know he's supposed to be emotionally charged in that scene. It's just that there's a little bit of disconnect with me on that too. I feel like he wouldn't look, for somebody as rational as he is in the rest of the movie. Yeah, like. well, I, he, I think he was partially giving up at that point, and I felt it. I was like, I'm with you. Just We don't have Sam anymore. Let's go. Yeah, I just feel like that if he was going full on rampage, like why not even like take explosives and start That's true. Like, just blowing up shit? I really mean, taking them out, especially the building that he saw them in. Yeah, just like I mean, he—I'm sure him being military, he had—he knew where some stockpiles were at. Go get raid them, like you know, throw some C4 in there, start toppling buildings. If he was going yeah. to go all like you know, let's just but blow up the whole fucking thing. When you do that, leave Sam at home. Well, Sam was gone at okay, that well, point. Yeah. I'm just saying, you know, if, he, if, if just saying if he did it before, it wouldn't have been a problem. Maybe he would have gotten rid of some of them dogs that came after Sam. That's true too. Um, and maybe that's where Renshard, going back to our first episode, and the uh, and I am Omega was a little bit smarter because he actually was rigging up the fucking city to blow up because he was like, I don't live there and fuck those bitches, you <laughs> know. So, uh, uh, but yeah, the the story gets a little weak on the back half of it, and like the the fact that they have him sacrifice himself at the end of the movie. Uh, you know they're retconning that for the sequel, right? They're You've retconning, yeah, yeah. I'm reading about it right now. So they're retconning the original ending. Yeah, the original ending was is that he gave uh, the woman back to the Alpha, and the Alpha left him alone, and then like he was he was still alive, and so or Neville was. Okay. And then he and then he went with Anna and the kid to the the new colony that they'd established in Vermont or wherever it was at, and uh, and that's how the movie ended. Anna and so the they're apocalypse. basing the they're basing the sequel on that, okay. even though that's not the ending that anybody's ever seen because that was a deleted scene that was only on like the DVD or something of the movie. The only request I have, because I know that doesn't sound ideal, kind of you kind of want to go with what happened, but can we get Sam back? Can we retcon? I mean, if you're going to ret- if you're going to retcon some stuff, why not? Yeah, I mean, like hey, here's your wife back. Leave my dog alone. It's like okay, we'll leave your dog alone. <laughs> Um, so anyways, what, is there anything you want to say about the story? I feel like it's just like you said about Omega, man, it's good in the first part of it when it's just Will Smith and he's, and you're kind of seeing the breakdown of him and him and Sam in particular, their interaction, but it kind of loses me a little bit because they introduce Anna and then like, bam, bam, bam. It's like the alpha attacks. Uh, there's no real, they don't, there's a whole scene where they have like for a split second there that the movie slows down and, and like the kid is watching Shrek and then like. Will Smith, because, like, to show that, like, where he's at mentally, he's sitting there saying every fucking line from Shrek or whatever because, like, oh, yeah. Shrek is, like, his only connection to anything at oh, that point. Oh, my God. That's hella funny. I mean, Shrek is kind of living alone in the swamp, you know, and it killing is, and it. I, and, yeah, and, I mean, it, and it works, I mean, to a certain extent, but it, it it's like the, I mean, the very short calm before the storm like i don't really feel like there's much connection between anna and and will smith's character before like just all hell breaks loose uh they they even have a love scene not even a love scene huh 
I don't even care if it's a love scene. They just needed like a couple more days together yeah. to kind of get a relationship before they did. It, it's almost like the reverse of the dog scene in, in uh, you know, Last Man on Earth. It's like that scene was blinking. You miss it. There was no point in it. Anna and the kid were kind of pointless in this because we had the relationship with the dog. They're barely there, and then the movie's over. Yeah. I mean, which is closer to the book in that sense because the lady that he finds that's like one of the new vampires, she's not like in it that long, but he at least has time to connect with her before, you know, they, you know, the rest of vampires. Well, yeah, because I feel like if I had just met this guy, I had just saved him. He's having a mental breakdown. We, that we get fucking attacked by a bunch of these fucking creatures I find out he's got the cure. He hands it to me. Okay, I make it through the shoot and somehow manage to survive that till the day time, which is 8 o'clock, almost 9 p.m., 10, 11, 12, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6 a.m. We'll say, so it's eight hours they spent in a shoot probably just waiting for dawn to break. And then they go back to their sanctuary and they're like, yeah, hey, we got the cure. I wouldn't be like making this huge. I don't feel like I would be connected enough to make this Bob Marley reference to him. Even though he was talking that to me, but like, yeah, he died, and apparently he had the cure the whole time, guys. So here you go. This is it. The, it wouldn't be like a big old. The only way that that would make any sense, and I guess they hint at it slightly, is the fact that they made a big public showing at the beginning of the movie to say that everybody uh, had put their trust in Robert Neville since he was the top virologist, the Anthony Fauci, as okay. it were, uh, to uh, save the world. So she might have heard of him. Okay, that makes you know, sense prior to that and the fact that he was still working on it but even then i don't feel like it would have been as deep as what you said like just like yeah. you said like the bob marley reference it's like he was such a nice man it's like you knew him for a day and part of that day was him trying to kill himself yes by throwing a car at these things like, i mean i would if anything i'd be like we are so fucking lucky we got this because he was just about done and i had to struggle just to keep him alive as long as he did and he's gone but Anyway, so I hear I got the fucking cure. <laughs> yeah. So, anyways, I started blasting. Yeah. You know, it's like, uh, um, anyways, it's it it breaks down in the back third of the movie. I feel like quite a bit. I mean, just because it's more actiony and there's less character time to really do anything. I don't think the movie should have been stretched out much longer because it would have made it drag. But like, there needed to be more scenes between those actors yeah. to make it count. Uh, acting wise, the girl who plays Anna is kind of weak, but yeah. they don't really give her much. The kid's not even in the movie, really. Yeah. He's there for a scene to watch Shrek, and that's it. Uh, Will Smith, though, like I said earlier, this prior to the pursuit of happiness was his best acting that I mm -hmm. saw him in. And yeah, and Abby just really stole the show. It's it's no wonder they had to get rid of her when they did because you you can't be stealing scenes like that from Will Smith. Jada was on the sidelines. Yeah. Like, Get that dog out the yeah. movie. Who the fuck is that bitch? Literally. <laughs> but I mean, there, it really is some good acting from Will Smith. I'll give him yeah. credit. Cause I mean, he shows some emotional stuff in the movie. He's not big Willie style 24 seven. in this one, like he is and everything else. He does. He does a pretty good job. The creatures, they're CGI nonsense. There's yeah. no acting from them whatsoever. CGI I nonsense. Mean, it is. Uh, it's, it's, yeah. I mean, Bowser in the original uh, Mario game on the NES had more acting chops <laughs> than these these creatures did. <laughs> I felt for Bowser and when he fell into the lava after I hit the axe and chopped down his bridge. Uh, you know. You're like, there was more filling in that than there was for these. 
Well, and these creatures, there was no reasoning with them either. Obviously, we're they're trying to backtrack that in the upcoming, which okay, but yeah, they, they, there was no reasoning with them. He he was trying to show them, hey, and I do feel the emotion in him was like, I'm fixing her, like you, I can help you, and they're just like, fuck you, you know. Yeah, I mean. <sighs> Yeah, you got the. I mean, you got the ghouls in the original Last Man on Earth that wasn't really. There's no reasoning with them, but they had a little bit of life to them. I mean, yeah. the man especially is like, come out, Morgan, I want to kill you, you know. Uh, and then you had like the, the ghouls had way more personality in, in Omega Man. Yeah, this one's just kind of like, okay, they're just rabid creatures that's just you know, yeah, uh, waiting to kill you. I mean, that's it. Um, there's no... Pretty much. It I makes sense, though, there's, because... There's nothing to them. It makes sense that if there's nothing to them, it really... He does have to survive. Whereas the other movie, movies, it was like, you know, there's places to go, right? Uh, yeah, I don't... Maybe not so much in uh, Last Man on Earth, but definitely in Omega Man. Yeah, Omega Man, he didn't really have a reason for holding up in his place other than uh, stubbornness, which that character was stubborn. I mean, he the, to the nth degree. Uh, Last Man on Earth, uh, they kind of gave a reason. It was like he more stayed there out of just like the loss of it, which they did a real good job of setting up in that movie, the loss of his family more than anything else. You yeah. Know, that's the reason he stayed. And in this one, they gave him the, I mean, he he's pledged to stay in New and even if he wouldn't leave New York, they blew up the bridges, so he couldn't really leave if he wanted to. Unless I guess he could maybe find a boat and then like you know make his way across that way. But his the lab is there, and he's already done so much research. You know he doesn't yeah. see the point. Um, so they gave him a pretty good reason story wise to stay there. Um, music is the best. In this oh movie, yeah, obviously it is. They I mean, they did a good job. Obviously they had somebody great in the industry but not even just that it's the newer times and i think they learned from the other two of oh let's let's, let's i should say the other one the omega man just did not kill it with the music yeah the lack of music in last man on earth worked for what it was what it, i mean actually i don't know if they intended it but it worked to increase the mood of the movie omega man was completely wrong yeah this one had good like score music but also it had the Bob Marley stuff really helped in certain scenes, like cement the character. So, uh, I mean, and it worked in with the thing they were going for with the Bob Marley aspect. Yeah. I mean, um, so I can't really complain about the music in this. Uh, I, the, watching the movie back, I actually have a better appreciation for it than I did when I first saw it. Uh, I had just read the book. I think whenever this movie came out and it was so drastically different in a lot of ways that it really like, it was like Stephen King watching, you know, Kubrick's shining and saying, what the fuck is this? Yeah. Like, character's name is the same. There's some of the same story beats, but this ain't nothing like it. And what the fuck are those creatures? Cause they, they're not even like, you know, anywhere near uh, anything that, that I would be worried about. I mean, you know, or I mean, they, they're scary. Don't get me wrong, but like, they're just, they look so fucking awful. Even back in 2007, they look bad. So, I mean, <laughs> I'm going to be honest with you. I didn't notice it at first. And I mean, I'm looking at them now, but I'm also looking at them in stills and it's, you still notice it. No. In watching it. Back. Yeah. Watching I mean, it. I would. Yeah. Um, and for anyone that, Maybe wondering. I mean, I lost a dog recently. Uh, it was our choice to do that, but 
I, I couldn't see myself watching this film. It's been so recent, so I decided not to watch I, it and go off of memory. And that dog seen this movie. I mean, I lost my pet. Oh, God, yeah. I guess I want to say a year, two years ago, and it got to me, and I went about to make her watch this after what just happened. So, yeah, we're talking uh, about less than a week ago this happened to yeah. me, and if Reverend couldn't handle it after two weeks, or two years, I'm sorry. Uh, yeah. Yeah, so. it's 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 an emotional scene, and Will Smith sells it. That's what I'm saying. Like he he his acting is good in that in in that aspect. Samantha too. I mean, or Abby. I mean, I'm just saying she laid there. You this know, is in the trivia, but they they literally found that dog in a shelter weeks <laughs> weeks weeks before this movie was filmed. That's how wow. good a dog that was. Abby, one hundred one thousand percent certified good girl, and it's so it's so crazy because they like. They're 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 working dogs to an extreme. I thought that border collies and Australian shepherds were extreme working dogs. And don't get me wrong, I am not saying that they're not. I have an Australian shepherd. I don't have a job for it. It needs a job. If anyone wants to give it a job, he's for being higher. Um, but um, Kayla has an, a German shepherd, and they have him legit on doggy Prozac because he has so little of a job to do. That he can't handle it. He's trying to break out of the house to be out into the open to find something to do. So it's wild how much it's so I can't I can excuse me. What I'm getting at is I understand why Abby, who was in a shelter, poor baby. I'm glad she was rescued from that. And there's so many German shepherds in shelters right now. But how when they pulled her out, she was ready to work. She was like, I got this. What do you want me to do? What are you paying? Milk bones? You got it. I mean, uh, we've bred that into them, so they're yeah. looking for the thing that, that they were bred to do. I mean, it makes sense. It is, um, but isn't it wild to you how, like, even when they're born, if they're not raised that way to at all, they still have it in their DNA? It's it's like birds, like, you know, going south for the winter. They don't, I mean, they're just born with the knowledge. It's like, we got to get the fuck out of Dodge when it gets winter time. We got to go. That's a little I mean, different. Like, That's ancestors that are raising them to do that. Like, they all flock as a family. That's a little the, bit different. To an extent it is, but I, I've heard stories that they say even, like, birds that are, like, taken away from, like, other birds, they start getting like that. They get fidgety around that time okay. of year. It's like they, they know they just that know. they're supposed to be doing something. Well, instinctively, know? animals know a lot of things. I think, again, going back to that movie I told you about, leaving Leave the World Behind, the animals are big in that film to kind of show shit is happening right now. And well, I mean, there's thoughts that humans have that instinct too, but we let our brain override that instinct probably. in a lot of cases. Like, I mean, you know, cause there's, there's stories all the time of people that, and, and we always ascribe it to like a sixth sense, like, you know, uh, psychic or something, but they like right before like major catastrophes, there's certain, there's a group of people like in every crowd that's always like, they get like this weird thing going on. They're like, we should get the fuck out of here. There's something bad wrong about this. Like I feel I feel so, something's off and then yeah. something will happen. It's like there's an instinct that humans have, If I mean, that we could tap into, but our brain, you know, tells us like, no, you're dumb. Like, you're fine. You know, uh, don't be an animal. And then something bad happens. It's like, the, you know, whatever that instinct is, is like, told you, bro. Just, you know. I mean, we're not that far removed from it. We just like to think yeah. we are in a lot of cases. Yeah. That or we try to train ourselves out of it. I don't know. Um, yeah. Anyways, the good, curse of a brain. Good girl, Abby. 
when Robert Neville going into the trivia uh, sees the mannequin, he calls Fred outside on the street. It looks like Fred. the mannequin moves its head uh, a little. Actually, during that scene, they got a mom to replace the mannequin to play uh, to try and play with people's minds as they watch that scene. So when you see whenever he says or whenever he thinks the mannequin's head move, it does. Okay. I mean, and then he uh, fucking fights it. To, <laughs> yeah. What are you doing out here, Fred? You ain't supposed to be here. Yeah, why was uh, Fred Smith. out there? Did somebody do that to fuck with him? One of the fucking monsters? Uh, the monsters did it. And okay. that's another sign to him that he should have been. I don't, I don't understand that either. Like, he never took that to, as a sign that they're like, they're fucking evolving yeah. because they did something that was very smart in a animal sense. At yeah. Least, to try to set him up. Um, Will Smith talked to former prisoners to get an understanding of what it's like to be in solitary, basically. Uh, or, uh, the prisoners told Smith that the key to surviving that is to create a rigid schedule, which is what they show in the movie. Every day, he's got a routine. You know, yeah. do this, do this, do this. And that's like the way to mentally cope with it. It's like, you're. I mean, just like you said, that working animals yeah. have to always are, you know, humans are the same way. If they don't have, if they're, if since we don't have, I mean, we're we're social animals, and if we don't have the social, our brain has to have something to keep it from dwelling on that. So routine is the way that we break through it. It's like okay, uh, I got to do this in the morning at eight a.m. nine yeah. p.m. I got to do, or I mean, eight a or nine a.m. I got to do this, ten this, you know, whatever. So the brain is not like okay, you're alone. You need to fucking do something about that. You know? Okay, so follow up question here: Do they have? clocks in their cells that they can create a schedule or is it created off the timeline of their brain? Uh, they'd have to create off timeline time of the brain. Cause I don't think they uh, yeah. uh, have allow them clocks. And actually for the longest time, they wouldn't allow clocks in the, and I, into uh, hospital rooms because uh-huh. people got stir crazy when they saw clocks, you know, without being able to do anything about it. Like you're laying there, you see the clock just yeah. slowly ticking by, yeah. and it, you know, it makes it worse. Okay. That makes sense. That's, that's wild. I mean, we have it in our body. We have it in our build to be able to time things out internal clocks. If you will. I know my son who's autistic is very well tapped into his, he doesn't need a watch. He doesn't need anything. So I know that it exists. It's just, do you have to be alone in your head for that to be, to work? Because sometimes that's how my son is. You get what I'm saying? I'm not saying you have There's to be autistic, weird. but I'm just saying that's what they, or is that what they're doing? Hey, the brain does weird stuff. Like I've got an internal clock that I can't shut off now. Like I, you yeah. know, when I get up for work, it's usually like 530 to 6. Even on my days off, if I don't set an alarm, about that time, like I, I'll I'll wake up and I'll look over and I'm like, brain, you fucking did it yeah. again. Like, Isn't that you, a curse? Me- it's like a curse. Yeah. Uh, the other thing I was going to say though, as far as the hospital goes, they went to, they went too far in the hospitals by removing the clocks and the fact that you know you don't see even the the changing of the sun. So oh, they yeah. and people started getting stir crazy for the other reason. Oh, so they eventually started they basically started doing things in the hospitals where they would open up curtains during the day okay. so that people could see the sun moving and they would come in there and they they've started marking you'll see that in a lot of hospitals. What day is it? What time did you have this or whatever? Uh, they'll put it on a board. Yes. They might not necessarily have a clock, but they'll have written up there like how the day is progressing so that you yeah. have something to go off. I of. see that now and I'm always like, why do they do that? Maybe it's just something to look forward to or um, I, I don't know. I never quite understood it, but now it makes sense to me. 
Yeah, it's that it's it's the routine thing. They they've figured you know that they've got to do something. Yeah. Uh, the screams and unearthly sounds of unearthly sounds of the uh, infected creatures in the movie were by Mike Patton, the vocalist in Faith No More, uh, Phantomas, and Mister Bungle. So okay. Uh, he wanted more, and you can't have it. So there you go. Uh, Will Smith said that closing New York streets to film meant he got a lot of middle fingers. <laughs> I mean, like, would you be mad at the actor for that? Uh, they got to blame somebody. I told you it's New York. They've got yeah, that's reason, true. Uh, you know, uh, people think California is crazy. Let me tell you what: we are a lot nicer than New York. We are not rude. We're we're stupid, but we're not rude. I've heard people from New York defend that, and they say that if they're if they're not busting your balls, then they then you're not one of them, and that's even worse. So it's one like their way us. of one you know, of us. Yeah, basically, it's like their way of hazing somebody, which is it doesn't work for people in the South because the South is the complete opposite. We we're so anti that that we'll actually say bless your heart. Yeah. Uh, when we're when we're actually meaning you know fuck you. Go you're fuck a piece yourself. Of shit. Yeah. Like we're saying something nice but meaning something mean. Whereas in New York they're saying something mean to try to get you to be one of them. So it's a it's a different environment. And I understand. Okay, so that makes sense because I understand why New York is a bust your balls kind of city, like the hustle and bustle of New York. They call it a New York minute for a reason. Um, and I feel yeah. like in the South. You guys are a little bit more slow and steady. Am I? Well, I mean, look at how we talk. I mean, yeah. it's, uh, <laughs> I mean, there's some parts of Appalachia where it's like we talk so quick, you go like this. But mm-hmm. I mean, like it and you. It, but most part, it's kind of drawn out because okay. it's like slower but pace. I'm not Hell, just talking it, about it's that. Harder in the summer. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah. Now, wait a second. But that being said, um. That being said, do you guys like like when you're driving? Are you not in a rush to get places, or when you're walking? Oh, uh, road rage is a problem. Okay, okay. Well, that's road rage, but is it because of people driving slow or? Uh, yeah, and and not knowing or and like pulling out in front of you and all okay. the stuff that's typical road rage. I mean, that's... it's not like we're against that sort of thing. It's okay. just like when it comes to like dealing with somebody, you'll go out of your way to try to be nicer to them for the most part in the south it's like you know is a respect thing uh even to the point of like if you're really wanting to say something mean to them you'll say something nice but say it in a way yeah that they know condescending that mean it yeah it's okay. condescending yeah because in california i feel like we're not like new york there's a hustle and bustle in california don't get me wrong but i'm in northern california which is just a whole different atmosphere uh, it's the big big cities where the hustle and the bustle is like it's blatant, but you're not going to see people be rude to each other on the street like in New York. Yeah, I mean, I don't even, you don't really see it here that much. I mean, like, the, very rarely will you hear a horn get honked at somebody, <laughs> even even if they deserve it. Because, like, I'll just give an example. Like, uh, a few weeks back, I was going to work in the morning, and somebody from Ohio, um, which is problem uh it was in front of me at a lot and i don't know maybe up there and i, I was giving them for the doubt they don't have a, a a turn uh you know right on red like i mean you know some states don't have that oh we have yeah that we do too yeah if, if it's red light you could turn on it if it's going right uh they sat there they sat oh, there they sat shit. there and our lots our lots are time so they're not or i mean or are not time they're actually based upon like a people you know triggering them uh, more so than they are timers. So they were sitting there waiting to get a green light 
they wouldn't get in the green light because they wasn't in the place that was triggering the light. So they sat through four changes, <gasps> four of the light. And, and I was, I was on the, and I sat there and I was like, I should honk at these people. I should honk these people. But there was a part of me that fought the entire time. It's like, you're not in Lexington. You don't do that to people. And, uh, eventually they got up and went, but I sat there for like 10 minutes waiting for these people to turn right on red, which is a totally legal maneuver. And it, and pissed me off to no end. Like, you know, had to sit there and wait on them without honking, you know? Um, okay. I so have. I have that answer for you. Ohio law permits you to turn right on red if the red light is a solid circle. However, if the red light is a red arrow, you cannot make a turn. And it was a red arrow, so that's probably what they were doing. Okay, so. that that makes sense. Okay, oh my God, that's so funny. You don't even think about that. But we have a problem out here in California where it will specifically say no right on red. And so me, knowing that that's a camera stop i'm gonna get my picture taken i'm not going and i'll get honked at of course i'm in a prius so they're they're gonna honk at me regardless (laughs) i get no respect on the road so i give none in return but i'm not turning on a red light knowing that i'm about to get my picture taken i'm just not gonna do it and people will be like and i'm like can you not see the fucking sign that says no right turn on red (laughs) just saying and we also have the law down here that unless uh, it specifically says it otherwise, U-turns are always legal. Uh, always? Which I know a lot of states don't have. Always. Unless what it says. <laughs> no. Yeah. We would yeah, die out here in California. Be, there has to be a sign that says, you know, no U-turn, you know, or whatever. Oh, so. see, in California, it's opposite. We will absolutely turn on a no U-turn. And we're just like, no U-turn. <laughs> okay, yeah, I turned. Um, that's how we treat it. But um, for, obviously, red lights, you're you're going to die. You're going to get in a horrible traffic accident if you U-turn at a traffic light that is not your turn to U-turn. So. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean... It's you got to you got to play it with some kind of sense of intelligence. That's like true. You yeah. can't turn like you know left and all that, but like the, unless it specifically says you can make a U turn, and like I know a lot of places are not like that. It's like you know, it's like U turns are illegal unless it specifies it. You know, That's so funny. Um, uh, anyways, uh, Warner Brothers initially opposed filming in New York City because of the cost and logistical challenges. However, Michael Tadros, the veteran of New York City production or production manager, got the city per, uh, to approve closing the Grand Central Viaduct, several blocks of Fifth Avenue, and Washington Square Park, albeit at night and on weekends between September 2006 and April 2007. Wow. Uh, Will Smith met with scientists from the Centers for Disease Control to learn how to use all the equipment properly that he uses in the lab. Damn. Pretty intelligent. Yeah. Uh, By the way, with regards to the dog, uh, he wanted to take the dog home uh, after, you know, after he worked with it. And, of course, the the, uh, animal handler said no. Yes. Um, Animal handler actually adopted the dog. Uh, they, they did find the dog several weeks before filming and still got it to do what it did. So that's amazing. That animal handler must, both Abby was intelligent, was a super bright girl and the animal, animal, animal handler was great at what they did. Uh, uh, Will Smith would go out on dates with the dog to, uh, you know, in between scenes to develop more of a relationship with her. How cute. Um, and then they had like certain scenes in the movie where they would like if the if the dog, especially when the dog was in the car, Will Smith when he was doing that stupid driving stuff uh-huh. that we talked about, they had special like uh, things underneath the seat to give the dog more traction so it wouldn't slide. You oh, know, that's hella protected. funny. 
Um, and so. doggy seat belts and stuff. Uh, just a little addition to that. Um, as of a few months ago, Abby's still alive. She's 15 years old. Uh, she's getting close to. Oh, I mean, she's, you know. yeah. I mean, it was, like I said, it was a few months ago that this article came out. It is possible she's not with us anymore, but 15 years is a long fucking time for a German shepherd to live. Yeah, it's, I mean, she's lived a pretty good long life. Oh, yeah. I mean, especially considering she was in a shelter. So, I mean, if they yeah. hadn't got her, I mean, you know, uh, probably wouldn't have made it as long as she did. Um, uh, also, in the scenes where uh, she fights with the infected dogs, mm-hmm. uh, they took a, a shot of her, uh, filmed it, and then, like, as for reference, and then made a, made a computer-generated version of her to fight the computer-generated dogs or whatever. Wait, so. they made a computer-generated genera- generated version of Abby fighting? Yes. Because, <sighs> obviously, she, who is she going to be interacting with? Like, I That's mean, unless true. Unless they're, like, some kind of puppet well, or something. Well, they did. You know? for, for Will Smith, uh, the pictures that I saw, they had a fucking puppet, and it was a guy in a green... In fact, I need to send you the photo because it's so fucking funny. Because the guy attacking him in the green suit, you can see his face through the suit and he looks vicious as fuck it's hella funny so um yeah anyways uh some of the mannequins in the video store were played by real people if you look closely at the scene you can actually see them move that's kind of creepy wait what's moving uh uh the mannequins in that video store they were actually some of those were real people just kind of standing there and you can actually see them move uh this movie was greenlit without a script (laughs) wow Okay. Uh, yeah, yeah. Make this movie. Uh, do we have a script? No. I'll be fine. We'll we'll figure it out. Uh, plants were transported via trucks from Florida to dress up the city streets as if as if weeds had overtaken them. Yeah. Uh, good old Florida. Um, most of the movie has no underlying score. The score was used minimally to highlight Neville's solitude. Um, although I feel like you hear it more than you do in some of the other, well, outside of the Omega man, it's weird placement of music. You hear it more than at least last man on earth. Yeah. Um, uh, the filmmakers couldn't close all the streets at once. So each weekend they'd film Will Smith driving on a different corner. People on the street hid and took cell phone videos of Smith as he drove by. Oh my God. While shooting under the Brooklyn bridge at the end of January, it got as cold as seven degrees Fahrenheit. Oh, hell no. Uh, to boost everyone's spirits one night, Will Smith came out and sang his song Summertime from 1991. Oh, that's cool. Uh, it's cool, but I don't know how I'd feel about that. It's the middle of winter. It's cold as fuck, and you're singing Summertime. <laughs> uh, you know, whatever. Uh, uh, according to the screenwriter Akiva Goldsman, there was plans to produce a follow-up movie uh, with scripts even being written around a prequel and a sequel. One prequel involved the outbreak occurring during the Thanksgiving Day Parade in uh, New York City. That would have been cool to actually yeah. see. While another focused on the human population becoming low, the later prequel uh, featured a trip to Washington, D.C. and an infected elephant escaping from the zoo. <laughs> However, the project was effectively shelved. Okay. That'd be hella funny, though. Because, well, yeah, the elephants, uh, well, according to the script now, elephants would have been immune. Yeah. Uh, Will Smith called the head of DreamWorks specifically to ask for the the use of Shrek in the movie. Oh, that's cool. Um uh, before it was finally greenlit was Will Smith as the lead and Francis Lawrence directing the closest the project came to being made was in early 1998 when Warner Brothers gave an initial okay for a version starting Arnold Schwarzenegger uh, with Ridley Scott directing. Again, Arnold Schwarzenegger as a scientist. Yeah. 
That's all funny. Uh, the studio's art direction and special effects workers had even begun working on a design for the apocalyptic mutant creatures. However, some high-profile big-budget failures for Warner Brothers and a huge, for that time, initial budget of $125 million led to the project being put uh, in on you know the back burner. If the movie had been made from Mark Petrovich's original screenplay, it would have been... Uh, it would have differed from the 2007 version in three major ways. It would have been set in the Bay Area of California. Yee. It would have been more of an action movie and okay. less of a drama. And it would have been filmed with the antenna being R-rated, which would have possibly drawn in fewer viewers. Yeah, um, and I mean, there's definitely high-rises in San Francisco because that's what they're talking about. They're saying the Bay Area. It was going to be San Francisco. Um, so it would have had that effect. They would have been able to pull that off for sure. But... Take away the drama? No. No, that's, no. That's what. That's the only thing that makes this version, you know, good at what it what it does. I mean, the action scenes are. I mean, they're interesting, but they're not the biggest draw for this. Yeah. Uh, in this movie, Robert Neville uh, holds up a CD, calling it the best album ever made. The album is Bob Marley's Legend. I am Legend. Oh, okay. Which, uh, it's his greatest hits compilation that was released after Marley's death. Uh, Robert Neville wears two watches in the movie, one digital and one analog as a backup to ensure that he never missed the alarm for sunset. Oh, yeah. And he uses a, fa- a farmer's almanac, doesn't he? Yeah, I think so. Trying to track whenever it's going to, the sun's going to set. Uh, Guillermo del Toro, uh, Will Smith's first choice, turned down the offer to direct this movie so that he could make Hellboy 2 the Golden Army. Uh, that's unfortunate. I mean, I love Hellboy 2, don't get me wrong. Yeah. But that's unfortunate. And the reason why is that I think Guillermo del Toro would have made an amazing uh, monster setup. Like, because you know what he does with his creatures in his movies. He's all, he goes way out there to make them like look unique. He, you know, prosthetics where he can CGI to just kind of boost things. I would have loved to seen his take on the monsters and, and he would have got the, the emotional parts down too, because he's very good at that as a director. So that would have been good. Yeah. Um, but we didn't get that. So, um, it was too difficult to shut down Times Square, so the hunting scene was shot on a soundstage. Okay. Steven Spielberg visited the set one day. It made everyone very nervous. <laughs> and, of course, uh, Spielberg's first movie, Duel, was actually written by Richard Matheson, who's the author of I Am Legend. Um, the film takes place in 2009 and 2012, so, again, we're in the future by a few years, you know, in this one, uh, versus whenever it was released. Uh, the original plan was to have the infected people be played by real people wearing extensive makeup and prosthetics, but the first test results made them more look like angry moms, according to the crew, I guess because they were whited out and all that stuff. Uh, the choice was then made to use computer graphics, uh, imagery, or CGI to make the creatures instead. I would have preferred the angry moms, honestly. Okay, hold on. I'm going to show you the makeup test they did on these creatures. I sent you a picture of uh, the zombie dog puppet that they had. But now I'm going to send you a picture of the um, the makeup test, and I think the makeup looks so much better than the CGI. And you can, if you look at it, it's in the um, Death Holler general chat. Uh, if you look at it, you can agree with me or not. Oh, my God. That's actually freaky looking. I would That, that would have been great. It's good, huh? And yeah, I'm like, I mean, why, why? Why did you guys not go with that? I, I don't know. Anyways, I'm sure they did to a degree. Like, I think the woman really did kind of 
she, I don't think she was crazy CGI, but she uh, was a little bit. And it's like, you didn't have to. No, they, they should have used like a regular person and makeup for her scenes. Even if it would have made it like, look, made her look different than the computer. Ge- Cause they could have kept the computer generated ones that were in that huddle that were quivering or whatever. Yeah, and, you know, absolutely. But just make, but make some of the other ones like, you know, people, you look, know, look at the makeup effects on Samantha. They did a hell of a good job. It's her wounds. Oh, yeah. That yeah, looks they, real. Uh, they made them pretty realistic. Yeah. I mean, that's their job. I get it. It's Hollywood. But I'm just like, look at her. That good girl just sitting there with them gashes on her side. <laughs> uh, it actually took a team of around 300 people 14 months to create the computer-generated creatures. Oh, imagine if you had just done makeup effects. Yeah, and they still looked like shit. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and here's something else. We watched uh, the movie uh, Frighteners from oh, yeah. Peter Jackson. They use CGI in that uh, to make the ghost look, uh, appearance. Mm-hmm. That they used a lot less people. Mm-hmm. They used a lot more outdated technology. Mm-hmm. And it still looks fucking better than what yeah. they had in this movie. Yeah, I have to agree with you on that one. Um, and I say, I mean, a lot. I mean, it was, you know, you're talking like 1999 or somewhere there, or actually 97 or something versus 2007s. But 10 years for computers is a big gap in generations. Yeah. So they were using a lot older and, and still made better looking effects. Just saying. Um, all of the artwork in Robert Neville's house has been rescued from New York's various museums, rescued in quotation marks. I mean, he basically went out as he was killing the nest of the creatures and stealing, you know, famous paintings. Hell yeah. Uh, Where can I find the Van Goghs? (laughs) Yeah. Well, they actually had Van Gogh's Starry Night behind his TV, I think what they said. I didn't even notice that. Uh, they used replicas of famous paintings for the movie. Yeah. Uh, obviously not the real ones. Uh, Dr. Alice Crippen, who's played by Dame Emma Thompson, was named after the first murderer caught as a result of telecommunications to create a sense of sinister foreboding. Wow, I like that. Uh, Will Smith left the production for a couple of days to attend Tom Cruise's wedding to Katie Holmes in Rome, Italy, which mm, is hilarious. Controversy. Yeah, that didn't work out for him. Yeah. Uh, Tom Cruise, Nicolas Cage, Michael Douglas, Mel Gibson, Daniel Day-Lewis, and Ted Levine were considered the star uh, uh, in this movie over the years as, as it was in development hell. Mm. Uh, can you imagine this movie made with Nicolas Cage? I can. I'm not going to pretend that I couldn't. Now, would it have been as dramatic? I don't know. I can see it with Michael Douglas. Mel Gibson is very great area. Daniel Day-Lewis, I can really see it with him and i don't know why modern mel gibson would have been amazing in this movie that's true I mean, yeah yes, he looks older but he is so good at playing dramatic roles that now. is true yeah um nicholas cage would have been interesting because if you've ever i mean i know you will watch it but that movie pig he is oh i want to watch that one so fucking good in that movie uh he would have been good in the, if he would have if they would have gave him the direction he needed he would have been good in that Tom Cruise, I think, would have been the the same character he played in uh, the Mummy remake that he did. You know, just the basic action star guy. I don't think he would have done the the. I don't think he would have done the best with the dramatic scenes, honestly. Even though I know Tom Cruise can act to a degree, he has pretty much went the route of I'm just action man, generic action man. Uh, yeah, which they actually make fun of in Tropic Thunder. Uh, uh, whenever the uh, ben Stiller's character is supposed to be portraying a version of him. Um, 
Daniel Day Lewis would have went too overboard with his method act acting, and Maybe. it would have probably been distracting. Uh, Ted Levine, um, I just feel like he would have been too serious about it. There wouldn't have been any lightheartedness. Yeah, I. But man, if you get Nicolas Cage, if he if they would have told him to lean into the "I'm losing my mind" aspect yeah, of it, he would have lost his fucking holy mind. shit. Yeah. He would have been he would have been out there, you know. Yeah, so I can see Nicolas Cage in this. Like I, it, I. I'm glad they had Will Smith. Don't get me wrong. I don't think they did bad by having him, but I I can see it with with Nicolas Cage. Yeah, that'd been an interesting movie. Tom Cruise, uh, no, that wasn't even ever an option. I'm glad he was. No, I, like I said, generic action dude. Yeah. Uh, and then again, Mel Gibson at the time that this would have been made, he was more either comedy or action and nothing really drama. Since then, he's really branched out, and I think he could. I mean, current Mel Gibson would have definitely been able to pull. Yeah. Pull it off, but I don't know about back in the time that this was filmed. Um, although, I, I mean, I did like his dramatic turn that he had in Lethal Weapon, don't get me wrong. I mean, he played the suicidal character, but he played it's like a dark comedy in that movie. Yeah. So, um, anyways, director Francis Lawrence said this, there is an AIDS metaphor here in terms of dealing with the infected. They're not dead. They're not vampires. They just have a chronic disease that needs to be cured. Uh I can kind of see that to yeah. an extent, but uh, just in the light of COVID, though, it makes way more like it. It feels more that way than it does AIDS. Like I know, and Fauci was involved with both. But anyway, I don't think there was an AIDS <laughs> metaphor, though. I think that I agree with you on this. That th- this is cancer to the yeah to the nth degree. degree yeah. 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 Uh, in 1999, in an early point in development, Tim Burton was actually interested in this project. <laughs> it would have been so much darker. I, the creatures yeah. might have looked better, though. What if Tim Burton had directed and Nicolas Cage had, had starred in this? That would so that be, was it would the be combination. such... Some people would hate it, absolutely hate it, but I feel like I would have loved it. Because, I mean, that combination actually almost happened because Tim Burton was going to direct Superman with Nick Cage at one point in time. That was a thing. And I don't uh, think Tim Burton would have gotten ground, rid of Samantha. But... I, I think he would have kept Sam. Um, he would, Yeah, he would have done something. Di- uh, mm-hmm. He would have went about it a different way, I think. There would have been some close calls. Uh, I don't think Sam would have actually, you know. Uh, this next one would have been interesting. Kurt Russell was once considered a star in this in the late 90s. Uh, but I, after I the failure of the movie Soldier in '98, he was no longer considered for it. That's that's sad. I I could he could he could have handled this role. It would have been amazing Kurt, too. After what he did in the thing, Kurt Russell yes. could have handled this movie. I for agree. Sure. Uh, creature designer Patrick Tatopoulos, uh, uh also created the Aliens for Will Smith's Independence Day. Uh, his studio made 3D sculptures and designs, which were used as reference to computer animation. The Aliens and the Independence Day are night and day better yes. than this fucking movie. I don't yes. know what happened between and this and it and it was made before this by yes. almost eleven years. Yeah, and clearly the ones that he actually hand painted, because like the the aliens, or not the aliens, the creatures I showed you, I think that's what he yeah, did. The puppets, yeah. Not even the, just the puppets, just the, or the, the person. Humans, yeah, yeah. He hand painted them, so I can understand how that takes a long time. I can understand how that's a lot for the budget, especially if you have to do multiple. But it looked so fucking good. Have a handful of people 
that were done up in makeup. Yeah. Have the rest CGI behind them. Oh, yeah. Bam, okay, there you, you go. It. There you go. That is true. Uh, the mil- and, and I think we're going into the CGI problem again with another movie that we cover this season, uh, World War Z, because oh, not, yeah. I'll be honest, I've never watched that movie. I have not. Oh, I've only seen previews shit. of it. Okay. But the CGI threw me off instantly in the, the, in the trailers, like where they okay. look like ants crawling on yes. the top of each other. So we'll see how I feel about that. Y- yeah, you have to watch. I'm uh, glad you're waiting, but... Um... I, from what I remember, I've only seen that movie once for obvious reasons, but I I think what leads up to that and how it happens and everything, I think you'll at least appreciate that, but you are right. The CGI does not look great. I will say that, but there's other ways that you're going to see these these things, these uh, beings. And I, and I made sure to get the 4K from Scream Factory so that I get the, the best version best of, the worst? of the bad CGI, okay. which will probably make it even worse. To uh, be it might, yeah. Uh, the military bomb the Brooklyn. Uh, the military bomb the Brooklyn Bridge in the movie. Amidst the chaos, the blazing bridge collapses into the waters below. A fair share of digital magic was used to capture the missiles impact. I'll give him credit for this. That scene looked good. It CGI looked out wise. Good. Yeah, yeah. That's not was that's uh, not when his wife's uh, helicopter blew up, was it? Yeah, it was that same time. Oh, period. okay. You know, that's that, you know. Insane. I, I thought that looked great. That that helicopter it, it scene did. was the, the CGI in that scene was great. Yeah. Uh, uh, still, the surrounding evacuation was shot on location across six nights, requiring the cooperation of a thousand extras, Woo! 14 different government agencies, an expensive lighting rig, and a crew of 250. Uh, increased bureaucracy post 9 11 made acquiring the green light for the project a Sisyphean task, one costing a cool $5 million. So they had to get basically, whenever they said, We're going to film the Brooklyn Bridge blowing up, the government was like, The fuck you are. Um, uh, well, you're, you better have like a bunch of us on hand to make sure that you don't do it. And uh, is there any terrorist in your crew? Uh, that guy over there, he Jesus. looks a little brown. We better get rid of him. Holy you shit. Know? Okay, wait. What's what? Define Sis- Sisyphean. Uh, there's, it, it goes back to an ancient tale in Greek. There was a uh, Sisyphus was a, a Greek uh, uh, that was punished. I can't remember by who. It was probably Zeus. Uh, that in the afterlife he would never know peace, so he was always cursed to push a boulder up a hill. I don't know if you've ever seen that image okay. of a guy pushing a boulder up a yeah. hill and to have it roll back down. Okay. That's Sisyphus, and for all of eternity he would be pushing that rock up a hill never to actually get anywhere with it. Okay, so. Th- that makes sense. It's a Sisyphean task. Okay, it's a task like almost couldn't be accomplished. Yeah, that wouldn't just basically was too big to ever really amount to anything. I mean, but $5 million for that amazing scene, Considering the budget they had on this film, worth it. Yeah, it's 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 good CGI. I that just was wish money that well spent. Done better on the creatures. Yeah, but it but for this movie, it was money well spent. Yeah, uh, in a scene where the camera zooms out above Will Smith uh, walking down an empty street, there's a red 1970 Ford XL convertible to his right. It's the same make and oh, model that Charlton shit. Heston drove in the Omega Man. That's hella funny. Uh, closing thoughts. Uh, this, I don't, there's parts of this movie that I love. I, I, I do. I think that some of the scenes are effective with Will Smith, but the CGI monsters, the rush third act and, uh, and, and all that kind of ruins it for me. It takes a movie that I would have, that would have probably put at the top of all of these and knocks it down to, I mean, I don't say that knocks it down below Omega man, but there is more fun things in Omega man to watch. Yeah. 
Um, so I have a hard time. This one's, I would probably put it slightly above Omega man, but just barely above as far as like my appreciation for this movie. I don't hate it, mm-hmm. but it's one of those movies where it's, it's hindered by that rush third act and the, and the dog shit CGI for the main creatures that really ruins the, I don't know any kind of concern that I have for Will Smith in this movie, as far as like, yeah. uh, you know, the creatures getting to him or anything like that. Um, and I and I still hold the last man on earth as being the top of the list for me. Yeah. Just because I it's it's I love just that loneliness that they conveyed for Vincent Price's character in that movie. Yeah. Like, you know. Well, I mean, I feel like honestly in all three of these movies, the the getting to the end was rushed. When once you know, the creatures got to him, Last Man on Earth, the most the majority of the action was in the last twenty minutes of the film. Remember how that killed me with uh, what's that movie that I was so mad? Uh, House of the Devil. Yeah, House yeah. of the Devil or the action. And, and granted, there was other stuff that kept you busier during, you know, the, it was a good film. So I'm not even mad at Last Man on Earth for that. But 20 minutes is when it really kind of He's takes running it. around getting shot mm-hmm. at and, you know, all that stuff. Yeah. Exactly. That's where the action is. So kind of that with, you know, I Am Legend and... I'm pretty sure Omega Man was like that, if not in the last 15 minutes. So they had less time. So there was a lot of scenes, though, in Omega. They paced it a little bit better in Omega Man when it comes to the action because he's roaring down the street in the in the car, just like Will Smith does in this one. He's shooting it randomly at stuff that he sees moving in the distance. Yeah. Uh, at night, he's got his gun out, just pop, 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 you know, like shooting at these guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're trying to burn down his house at night. I mean, yeah. There's a lot of back and forth in that movie, and then it gets to that, which is kind of funny. The uh, which we didn't talk about the motorcycle scene where he's getting oh yeah, and uh, Lisa are trying to escape the like the uh, arena on the motorcycle. There's they space out the action quite a bit. In okay, that one. there's just that that lagging period in the middle where he's making love to his lady or whatever. <laughs> um, the last that, woman that, on earth. Yeah, the last woman on earth. This one isn't. It doesn't pace it. I mean, it's got a lot of action up front. There's the, I mean, there's the scenes in the middle where, you know, he's, he's captured. So there's a little bit of action there. So I guess it's more than the last man on earth, but it's, it, I don't know. It, it's, it does a weird mix. It's not like evenly, it's not as evenly paced as Omega Man as far as like trying to branch the action out. Cause it really goes off the rails once he loses Samantha. Like oh yeah. It, you know, that's, that's where the action really is. I find that to be relatable though. <laughs> it's i mean you get why he's upset I mean, yeah um he and he's like he's all because look at he's already losing his mind with samantha he's already losing his mind and he has a friend he has somebody he's responsible for that's his baby and then he loses his baby and it's like what well, what else is there to live for he doesn't know that reason- there's a people out there I agree with you on that. I think the reason that, that The Last Man on Earth stands out to me is the better one of the three is because at the beginning when it could have been bogged down with just the daily minutia of him doing his, his routine, uh-huh. we get the flashbacks. And yes. we get to see we get to see the apocalypse as it's happening in that movie, I which do like I would that. have loved to seen in this one. That is true. I, I did I did like that from the film. 
Um, and then that, that kind of tied you over even when it starts to, you know, get a little on the, okay, we're, we're stretching things out, you know, with him and the, and the woman right before, you know, like in last man on earth, whenever all the shit happens the last 20 minutes, you, you, at least that, that flashback gives you something to go off of. Whereas in this, when you get the quick flashback, but it only lasts for maybe like 10 minutes. And then it's a lot of like Will Smith, like dicking around with these monsters yeah. and you're like, mm, okay, you yeah. know. I hadn't seen any of the other movies when I saw I Am Legend, so I didn't have any of those comparisons to make at the time. Unfortunately, I didn't rewatch it, but there, the movie was memorable to me. Uh, I, 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 I always loved it. So there's it's, that. It's I a good didn't story, obviously. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't expect to even like uh, Last Man on Earth, or um, especially Last Man on Earth when I saw it was black and white, and then Omega Man. I thought I was going to like Omega Man because my husband's like, this is such a great film, blah, blah, blah. Okay, cool. Um, it sounds like, based off of what you're saying, if I were to guess, that you like um, The Last Man on Earth, I Am Legend, and then Omega Man. Like, that would be your pick. Basically, but they're, Omega Man, because of just, like, the sheer, just, like, the way that, like, he just machismo, if you want to yeah. use that word for, like, you know, Charlton Heston. It just for fun factor, it almost it almost surpasses I Am Legend just yeah. in that sense. That's so I mean, funny. But the but the story is better done in in I Am Legend, and and the scenes with him like you know breaking down are better done in I Am Legend. That's so, so hard though nod. because there's so there's decades in between the films. Yeah, you know, and that's like I that's that's it now. That's not always an advantage because we've had movies that have shown otherwise. The complete opposite that, oh, you've had all this time and this is what you fucking came up with. Um, I Am Legend did that correctly. They they had the advantage of that and they used it correctly. They could have fucked up royally. Um, because you're talking about two classic films that already had to have been doing well on their own. At least in my opinion, I liked them. So... And, and here's the thing, this story, even though they're going to continue it, and I, I, I'm interested to see where they go with mm-hmm. it in the sequel whenever they make it, if they were to re completely redo this another time, but make it a miniseries, oh, particularly on, yeah. on HBO Max or just Max as it's called now, mm-hmm. that would be, a, I mean, if and they followed the book, like, you know, with book specific, book heavy with it, that could be the best thing ever if they did that. Because I honestly don't think the book, I mean, it's it's okay as like a movie length, like, you know, you can condense it into that. But if they would have time to stretch it out and really build up, like, you know, the individual scenes in that and make it like a, you know, maybe a six-hour miniseries or something, that would be perfect. Just straight up perfect. You know what they said that they're um, they're trying to make I Am Legend the second part. They're trying to make it like, oh, God, why can't I think right now? Um, the, the Last, Last of, of Us? Us? Yes. Yeah. They're trying to make it more like that, so that could work. It, it, I mean, it won't be a bad movie. Mm-hmm. I don't think it will be at all. I'm just saying that if they went back to the source material and actually did, you know, uh, Richard Matheson proud by making, like, a book-accurate version, I think that could, like, stand the test of time if they did that, you know. Um with a with a longer drawn out time to be able to actually make the the story yeah. and not have to scrimp on any parts because that's what we run into in all these movies they either scrimp on the dog they scrimp on the lady or they you know or, or and or they uh, they don't really have time to show just like how like you know 
like what his daily monotonous existence <clears> is. <throat> like they, one or the other, they have to skip out on to make time for it. Like, yeah. And if they had, they had the series, they could, they could do all of that, you know. Well, if we learned uh, anything from I Am Legend is you can get your greatest actors from the shelter. So. That's true. Um, again, vampire movie or movies uh, during zombie season. Why yeah. did we do it? Uh, obviously, <laughs> George Romero cited the book. Yes. Not the, the, the Last Man on Earth, which he also <clears throat> saw as his inspiration for Night Living. And you can see. You can physically the, see it. You can physically see it, and you can definitely see Last Man on Earth in Night of the Living Dead. Like, those scenes outside with Ben yes. as he's kind of rearing back, and, like, you know, it's almost exactly Identical. what you see in, in Night of the Living Dead. Yeah, he definitely ripped off. We're not upset about it. We're not here to call him out and, you know, have him return from the dead to come after us. Uh, uh, it's just, it's we're just going obvious. To give, we're going to give Romero his credit. Oh, the yeah. Man, the man invented a new monster. He I really mean, did. Voodoo, Voodoo zombies and these vampires are not the same as what he came up with. Oh, and no. He, I mean, so he he made a new monster, even if he did a, uh, you know, a George Lucas, <laughs> and he took pieces from other things and, you know, made made his movie out of I'm it. I'm telling so. you, I'm not even mad. <laughs> well, I mean, if you're going to steal, steal for something good. Yes. I mean, honestly. Steal from something and, good I mean, and make it good. And if you get the chance sometime with Audible or whatever, I really do recommend that you read I Am Legend. That is a fucking awesome book. It really is. Even to this day, even if it was written in the 50s, it's amazing. Uh, it's got that post-apocalyptic vibe. It's got the the end-of-the-world zombie-type feeling to it. It's worth reading, I, and I recommend that to anybody who's, you know, even if they don't like the movies, I think the book has got something to recommend it for. Yeah. Um. And that's uh, that's from somebody who I don't I don't give two shits about vampires. They're my least favorite <laughs> a movie. They really are. Uh, but I think that's the reason I like I Am Legend because they're not just the prissy European like you know you know sexy monsters that they made them out to be. They're just like these crawling like you know horrible things like zombies that yeah. just want to kill you basically in the movie. So Pretty much, or, I mean, yeah. In the book. Yeah, I think that the, the these monsters though in Apocalyptia, I think it's the closest we're gonna get to zombies, at least in this start of where Romero got his idea for zombies for. So it totally makes sense that we jumped on these right away. And there's only one other thing that we're, I'm gonna bring up whenever we bring up Romero in the next episode of Not Living Dead, and it's a remake from Savini. And it's the fucking Smurfs of all things. Oh, God. I did not know about it, and Cody brought it up to my attention, and they did predate this. By or predate Night of the Living Dead by a few years. Uh, it is the Black Smurfs. You can take whatever you want from that, you know, yeah. connotation. But they are basically zombies, and oh they my were God. done in like a and they were done in a comic book, I think, before uh, Romero came up with his movies. Is so, there an animated of it or no? I want to. I don't know that they actually animated anything. It was just a series of comic panels that okay. you can look up online if you look them up. And, I'm gonna look see to see if it, it's available on Hoopla. Yeah, um, if nothing else, you can find, like, Google's uh, entries about what the story was okay. and kind of get, you know, um, same concept, though, uh, which I'll bring up again next episode. When they bite some, uh, one of the regular Smurfs, they would become a black Smurf, and then they would want to attack and eat the other Smurfs. I love it. Like zombies, so there you go. 
anything else you want to say about these movies? I, I'm happy that you that yeah. you love the two older films. I knew you <laughs> liked this one. Uh, I mean, because I've heard you talk about it before. But. Yeah. Uh, just my ranking would be um, I Am Legend, uh, Last Man on Earth, and then Omega Man. Again, not saying because... I, I, I don't hate that at all. That's yeah. perfectly understandable. So, um, yeah. I mean, that's it. I mean, these were, I'm re- I've been very lucky. Like I said, zombie season is kicking off very nicely. It's going to turn dark real fast and it's going to turn dark with night of the living dead. So, uh, that, yeah, the remake, if not the original, the original, you can kind of, the yeah. black and white can kind of distance you from it. I guess. That remake, that, uh, I'm, I'm not, that first movie's great. It's good. Yeah. Wrong, but, but those effects from Savini are some of the best yeah. outside of what, uh, uh, you know, they did in The Walking Dead. So, I mean, mm-hmm. you know. Definitely. So, here we go. All right, folks. With that, peace be with you. And with your spirit. This morning, smile with the rising sun. Three little birds, which by my doorstep, singing sweet songs of melodies pure and true. Saying, This is my message to you. Ooh, ooh.